With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. HN Podcast, Miller and Dace, talking little Iowa basketball this week as there were some goings on off the court, obviously, as the season is over. Before we jump in, Steve, you are a sci-fi geek like me, right? You love science fiction movies? You bet. Actually, we just watched it. It was Noah's turn for family movie night, and we hadn't watched it yet since it came out on DVD, so we watched The Last Jedi tonight. Oh, boy. So you probably did what Grace and I did and forwarded through all the uh, Casino Bite and Rose Finn scenes and actually really enjoyed the movie far more. Yeah, in fact, uh, that was a request. The oldest daughter made that request. Uh, The family unanimously consented, and so we fast-forwarded past the entire Canto Bite section yes and you enjoyed it it was a much better experience yeah that's i know we talked about this in december and you get on this road again watching it again tonight though i just i didn't understand that they wanted maz in the movie that bad have her be the code breaker yeah i agree i think i think i think it was actually a contractual obligation with the actress oh okay yeah well well well, just have her be the code breaker i would agree and 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 avoid that entire scene of you know, I don't know what they were trying to do, score some social justice warrior points. I don't know what it was, but it's barely it, it's it's poorly contrived in what is an otherwise every time I see it brilliant film. Mm-hmm. I, I love the movie. I agree. That. I think it's a great movie. Did you ever see Interstellar? Yeah, seen it a couple times. It's probably one of my 10 favorite sci-fi movies ever. I probably wow. seen it 7 or 8 times. I introduced my 15-year-old daughter and my 9-year-old daughter to it. Um, We've watched it over the last two nights, actually, because it's about a three-hour-long movie. And my oldest was getting a little uh, testy because the 9-year-old kept asking questions. And we got done, and both of them (laughs) seemed like they had somewhat grasped the uh, Tesseract cube and the aspects of time being a... They they had far fewer questions, which is good because I, I needed to go read up on Einstein's theory of relativity each time after I watched this movie. But it really is one of my favorite sci-fi movies ever. Absolutely love that movie. So anyway, let's get on. With... Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to second. I'm not going to second that opinion. No, how come? No, it's okay. It's okay. I didn't no, like. It, I, did, it, I, I didn't like Matthew McConaughey because his. He just goes into that little soft stuff. And, you know, with the sound bar, I had to turn it up and then turn it down. It was driving me nuts. But I just, I I really liked the story. I liked the concept. I liked how it stretches your imagination. And that's really what I enjoy science fiction for. So it was good. Good for me. Um, Iowa basketball. I like my Star Trek more Wrath of Connie and less V'jury. And Interstellar was very V'jury. Yeah, I get it. I enjoyed the original Star Trek too. Wrath of Khan is more of a yeah. I, I just I enjoy thinking. I'm not saying that you are not a thinker. I just really I enjoy <laughs> thinking. <laughs> I love 
love that was so beautifully sanctimonious. Well played. <laughs> well, I, I really enjoyed thinking. I know you rubes, you guys just like if there's a few explosions and you're entertained, like, you know, like the mindless plebeians you are. But, you know, up here in the upper crust, you know, we, we like to, you know, at least see if we can get our IQ into the high double digits. Yes. I loved it. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Ricardo Montalban and the earbugs were cool and all, but give me a little V'ger, a little mind twist at the end, you know? Yeah, Star Trek, Star Trek Two. It's awesome. I, it, I'm, it, not, I'm not even going to try and play that off. Is the greatest science fiction film ever made? It's it's pretty good. I, I won't even try to pretend take a side that I don't believe in. Um, okay. Iowa basketball. A few interesting things this week. Uh, Tyler Cook did not speak uh, at the awards banquet, or at least to reporters. Chad Lystico and Mark Emmeter that have went register were there, and Cook declined con- conversing with them. But um, Cordell Pemsel conversed with them and gave a few mixed signals uh, when asked if he was going to be returning. said that basically he was uncertain, was going to do what was best for him, has always wanted to be a Hawkeye, love being a Hawkeye, but that he wouldn't commit to coming back. And it really just sounded to me, Steve, like Pimsel was saying without saying that if Tyler Cook returns, he's probably gone. And if Tyler Cook does not return, then he'll probably be back. A day later, um, through Fran McCaffrey, Cordell Pimsel's like, oh, no, I'm I'm all in. I'm 100% in after they had a conversation so some interesting aspects there and tyler cook there is a growing belief uh, you know tom caker i listened to his podcast a few days ago of hawkeyereport.com tom is of a very strong opinion tyler cook is not going to return is not going to take his name out uh he tom wasn't saying what he thought t- if tyler was going to get drafted i don't think tyler cook will be a first round draft pick could he be a late second round draft pick and maybe get a two-way contract with the G League maybe I don't even know about that I mean Mo Wagner is being you know speculated upon as maybe a first rounder probably a second rounder it's not easy to get in the first to be a uh, uh, NBA draft pick with just two rounds and really if you're not a first round pick you have no guarantee so I don't know, you know, what Cook's situation is. He's certainly free to do what he wants, but if he keeps his name in the draft, I, I just have a hard time believing he's going to get his name called. Certainly in the first round, which is really what you need. Yeah, I, I and I only did a little bit of research on this because you mentioned Mo. I think last year five kids in the second round did get guaranteed contracts. Hmm. Right, but it's it's you're right. I mean, if you're not one of those first round picks. And, you know, a good portion of those first-round picks won't even see the court. I mean, that's how competitive slots are in the NBA. And sometimes you just run into a kid that either wasn't meant to be a student-athlete or has just had uh, their fill of it and doesn't want to do that anymore. And, you know, so be it. I'm I'm a little concerned, and I I don't know. I don't want to be a drama queen about this. Do it, uh, do it. <laughs> <laughs> do it so I don't have to, Steve. You do it so I can just respond to you and never be pissed at you. All right, I'm fine. I'll do it. This sort of conversation doesn't strike me as 
what you want going into your immediate aftermath of a season with a bunch of guys coming back and you're, you know, you want to, you know, if the narrative is uh, this was a really young team and it was, it was a really young team. Uh, this is a young team and a bunch of these guys are coming back and, you know, you've got John Crispin at ESPN saying he thinks, or I'm sorry, at Big Ten Network saying he thinks this is a, a top five or four team in the Big Ten, their roster next season. I don't know. I mean, if you, if you're if that's the narrative that you're trying to cast, you're trying to build, and that this was a one-off coming off last year where you had Tyler Cook and Peter Jock and could make the NSA tournament with both of those guys, this just doesn't seem to me like – um, you're reinforcing that narrative. This doesn't. This doesn't seem to me like a team that just, yeah, we played Michigan in the Big Ten tournament. Should have beaten those guys. Probably should have. You know, lost in overtime. They went all the way to the national championship game. We got all these guys coming back. We're hungry. We're ready to go. You know, we're going to make a big statement next year. Uh, we're going to have a huge rebound year as a team. That's typically, if that's you, it doesn't typically start off like this con- these conversations, John. Mm-hmm. You know, not, not to say that it, all, all those things are just sitting here on April 15th, oh, they're, they're, they're done. I'm just saying oh, sure. when that team is you, it doesn't typically, your offseason doesn't typically start with, I don't want to play with my program's best player, and I don't even know if he's coming back or not doesn't typically start like that. Right, and, and Cordell didn't outright say that. That's that's my impression of it. But it, it's interesting you brought something up here to just side tangent quickly um, about Iowa being a young team. They were the, per Ken Pomeroy's rankings, Iowa's experience, meaning, you know, age of roster, was 334th out of 351. So the quote-unquote 17th, least experienced team in college basketball last year were the Iowa Hawkeyes. Here are the power five teams that were less experienced. Texas, Syracuse. Made the tournament. tournament. Mm -hmm. You you went right to my card I was going to come back to. Um, Alabama. Made the tournament. Duke. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, made the tournament. Kentucky. There's only in the tournament. There was only one other Power Five team with less experience than Iowa that didn't make the tournament, and that was Pittsburgh, and they were horrible. They're one of the yeah, worst went, teams oh, and, in the country. Yeah, oh, for the ACC, right? Yeah. Fired their coach. And, and Wisconsin was maybe just like seven slots ahead of Iowa, and, and they did not make the tournament. So obviously, um, you know, there's a certain type of talent that I was lacking at those other teams at Duke and Kentucky, by the way, respectively, the two least experienced teams in college basketball and Duke likely will be again next year as well, given everything they're going to lose. But I, I, I mean, you tell me what you tell me what you think to what I just said. I mean, this doesn't, this doesn't sound like nose to the grindstone, man. We're spending the summer here with strength and conditioning. We're going on some foreign trip. We can't wait. We're chomping at the bit. This doesn't sound like that at all, bro. Well, what, Iowa Iowa season ended what March first. Yeah, so they've had a while. That's the, that's my that's another issue. That's fifty they had, days. They had a while to get over any pissing contest. You know, this didn't just you didn't just talk to them last week, and you know the the wound is still fresh. There's been some time to recalibrate and find out what the off season program is, and 
let's well, get going here. Yeah. And there's been time to think about how you're going to answer that question. Uh, th- this this wasn't a question that was asked in the locker room immediately following Iowa's loss to Michigan in the Big Ten tournament. This is 50-some days away. There's no emotion. No emotion. So I, I don't buy any taken-out-of-context potential uh, explanations whatsoever. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. that, that there, Whatever wounds exist, I, I wouldn't say they're all healed. I never got the impression that there was any sort of uh, chasm uh, or discord between Tyler Cook and his teammates. There were times in December where I watched Tyler play and I thought to myself, this looks like a I'm a go for mine kind of game, kind of like uh-huh. a uh, some how we talk about some players in bowl games that aren't BCS games or you know the uh, the Big Five games. What do we call them now? I, f- I forget. Um, New Year's Six. Uh, if it's not a New Year's yes. Six game, it's a glorified exhibition. I don't want to get hurt because I'm going to go in the first round of the NFL draft kind of thing. But right. I, I never I never heard any chemistry issues with regards to that so it's interesting and i don't know anything about tyler cook or his family i've heard nothing but good things i should say so i don't i don't know if all of a sudden there's a a money need or uh, i don't think he's a bad student so i don't think there's any of that so it's it's very interesting it's very interesting to me and so so what's their team look like if he's not on it next year well um I think can you make a case that's addition. Can you like make a legit case that's any form of addition by subtraction? Let me try. And I'm not okay. saying that I buy and this. I'm asking. I don't know. I'm asking. Yeah, I'm not saying that I buy this. But let's say this. Um, would we both be- agree that Luca Garza was had a sensational year and performed beyond our even our best expectations? I mean, there's not many freshmen in Iowa history that put up. You know, 12 points per game and seven rebounds per game. There's not many true freshman centers in, in the last 25 years of the Big Ten that have done that. And that kid just has a – he just has a little bit of an edge to him. And I think if he's the the main option down the block, it helps to have Tyler Cook taking some pressure off the weak side. Uh, I think it helps quite a bit. For sure. Actually. Um, yeah. But I think that – I think that Ryan Creener – is capable. Cordell Pimsel, I think if he got more minutes, is capable. None of them is in Tyler Cook's stratosphere whatsoever. Um, Nicholas Bear, boy, I got to be really careful here because I'll upset some people. I'm glad he's on Iowa's team. Nicholas Bear on any of the upper half Big Ten contenders is maybe your eighth man off the bench, seventh at best. He's a role player. He's not an offensive threat. He's not a starter in the Big Ten. Sorry, it's just my opinion. Um, so he's certainly not an answer to be a scoring threat. So Jack Nungy needs to take a step forward. The team is clearly better, and everyone on the blow block is probably better if Tyler Cook's on that team because of the attention that he's going to draw. I have a difficult time going along with the addition by subtraction card, even if you're asking me to be a defense attorney and take a position I really don't want to take. I can't do it. I I just can't. But frankly, Steve, offense isn't this team's problem. I don't think. 
even if Tyler Cook's not there. It still comes down to stopping ball and penetration on defense. And unless Isaiah Moss has a complete uh, transformation this offseason, or Macy Daly, or if Joe Wieskamp can come in and play perimeter defense against Big Ten competition better than anybody possibly could expect him to, which he won't, or if Jordan Bohannon all of a sudden can take on and eliminate a Big Ten point guard or at least play and break even on defense, it won't matter. I have a hard time believing that this team is going to be a much improved man-to-man defensive team next year, which is why I think that they should fully commit to the zone and let the chips fall where they may. Huh. It's 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 really positive all up in here. Yeah, I'm. I I think I really think your coach needs something to change some mojo and momentum around the program. That's what I think. Something. Anything. Give me an idea, like what a something is. I I you know, um, forty percent of college players transfer in a given year. So somebody else maybe, come in. So maybe a grad transfer point guard, something. Yeah, I think. Well, he's, I think he he need, I, he told Mark Emmert that Iowa has one of the best point guards in the country already in the roster. Okay. That's a whole different topic. Um, I love Jordan Bohannon. Love that kid. He's he's one of my favorite Iowa basketball players ever, which says a lot. And I go back to the eighties and. B.J. Roy and Eddie and Michael Payne and Greg Stokes and Jess Settles and Andre Woolridge, etc., etc., etc. And I love Jordan Bohannon. People bristle when I've said through the years, I, the last couple of years, I don't think he's a Big Ten point guard. Well, John, look at his assist numbers. Look at what he's done. He's, he's in an exclusive club that, that nationally they might have to call the Jordan Bohannon Club. I get it. I get it. So, right, so let, let's put that in there. Then tell me why. Tell me why the team was bad. Because they can't play yeah. perimeter defense. Period. End well, of why, story. Why, why, why can't you play perimeter defense? Because they don't have quickness. They don't have athleticism on the perimeter. Right. That's what my. That would be my question. I, that's a question I like to ask Fran. Why weren't you that good this year? Then the the youth experience doesn't fly. But really, there's no such thing as a young team in college basketball. There today. is when you recruit at Iowa's level. Okay, and and there are some programs that are developmental programs, no question. Okay, and and, and you know, really, outside of about ten programs Correct. in college basketball, every but because of how concentrated now these McDonald's All Americans and and one and Dunn's are to like six schools. Essentially, ninety-five percent of college basketball is a developmental program now, um, or at least until the F- until the FBI finishes what they're currently doing. That's that's where we're at. So okay, so it's it's probably not fair to put Iowa with the same, um, you know, class of some of those other teams you just mentioned. You mentioned like Alabama had Colin Sexton, who's going to be a top lottery pick in the NBA draft. Yeah, but you know, one my, and done. Yeah, Miami was the three hundred seventh least experienced team right auburn, and miami you know auburn was 308 lonnie walker may be a one and done for miami who else did you mention auburn and you know auburn's got a couple nba guys on their roster but they were actually hurt 
and, mm-hmm. or hurt and or ran afoul of the NCAA yep. and, and didn't play. So yeah. they, they were winning without those guys. Yeah. Then they okay, had so. o- Oklahoma at 304, and they had a transcendent point guard. So a couple yep, of these teams yep. were talking about transcendent point guards. By the way, Villanova was the 280th least experienced team. So, um, yeah, I'm with you on this. I mean, all of these That's things don't... That's something when Mikel Bridges and... And Jalen Brunson were both juniors, and they were still 290th in <laughs> experience. Wow. Yeah, no doubt wow. about it. So, I, really, I, it comes also – I mean, the defense we talked about, but just the con, the, con, the construct of this roster. You know, seven, eight forwards. Um, yeah. I mean, because he clearly, he clearly thinks that it's good because you don't see any sense of urgency to change anything. So, I mean, he, he clearly thinks that everything's on the right track. I, I have to believe – I think that he does. He knows more about this than than you and I do. I, I have to believe that. So I'm just, you know, I'm 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 trying to figure out what he sees. Then I don't. Uh, then why weren't they much better this year? I mean, I, they, well, Con- they, they Con- Connor lost was hurt. Games in a league with were really after you got play, past the sixth place team was not very good. So what's I his agree. explanation? I, Con- Connor was hurt. Um. And I think that he really thinks that Connor's going to play a key role. Now, when I say key role, I don't think I'm not saying that Fran says he's going to be the second coming of B.J. Armstrong, but I, I do think that I, I that think dynamic. Dockage's kid, Dockage's kid, played a key role for Ohio State. He did, and, but and he also had three NBA guys ball. around them. Yes, I mean, now you if you saw Ohio State down the stretch, you saw everybody say. We're attacking that kid on the other end of the floor. Defensively, he can't guard anybody, right? You saw, you saw mm-hmm. Gonzaga do that and win the game that eliminated Ohio State in the NSA tournament. But again, I, when you with Jordan Bohannon, you're getting ball distribution. That's not your issue. Your issue is you don't have someone that can penetrate. We've, I, we don't need to go over, over this again. But today's college basketball, it's really simple. You have, you have one chance at a set. And if you can't make that set get you a shot, then you need to have a, a two-man combination on the perimeter that can get you, or a point guard in a one-four set that can get you a good look. Iowa does not have that, okay? And and so, but Steve, they score a bunch of points. Well, what that ought, what, but they but they don't score them that way. And so, the reason scoring them that way can help you is it also conserves energy for the defensive end of the court. So they, they, they don't have that at, at either end. So can you help me to understand why you can see that from Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I can see that from my maize and blue painted man cave in West Des Moines, but your coach can't see that. Can you help me to understand that? I can't help you. I can't help you. I can't. It's frustrating. Okay. uh, Listen, I hope he's right, man. I hope, I hope you guys have a really good year next year. I really do. I, okay, yeah, I, I just I hope so too. I don't. I don't. I don't see it. I, I don't. And I and I and and I wonder about you know some of the other storylines we were just talking uh, talking about in terms of what do you think? It, what do you think of Connor going on scholarship? I don't have a problem with it. I I think it's really stupid. Why? I, I it's why are you wasting a scholarship? You only get thirteen of them. You need 13. You, by the way, that's almost as many games you lost in the Big Ten. 
the coach has a $9 million buyout. I think he can handle the tuition, just saying. So uh, use that scholarship, go get yourself a grad transfer, point guard, something. I, I, I think it's just dumb. It's a waste of a scholarship. It's point. It's a pointless exercise. Should he give Patrick this is, this a scholarship? Even, what's that? Should he give Patrick a scholarship? I don't think coaches should ever, when you're coaching at this level, making the amount of money they're making, you know one way you get to continue making that money? Putting as many good players on scholarship as you possibly can helps. That's one way. Yeah, that, you could like double dip oh, yeah. a little bit. Yeah, no doubt. So to me, I think, you know, especially if I'm a coach – coming off two straight seasons of not making the tournament i i don't know i i kind of want that scholarship to get as many good players as i could possibly get it I, doesn't make any uh, yeah. sense to me i understand the premise for some people saying well he was good enough to deserve it or patrick's going to be good enough to deserve it. patrick's a, a top 40 player nationally um and so they're good enough to earn a scholarship they they deserve it but i also agree with your point in that this is about winning. This is about getting as much talent on your roster as possible. And at Iowa, where your margin for error is much slimmer, if you miss on an eval or a kid leaves, you give yeah. yourself more margin for error. Yeah. But don't go try and play 13 deep because that's also stupid. No, but we, we, first of all, we're not we're not talking about a team, you know, let's face it. If they make the NSA tournament – we're not even having this conversation, okay? So, but they were a long it, ways away. They were yeah. far away from being in the NCAA tournament as uh, Marcellus Wallace was from being okay after Zed and the Gimp got done with him in Pulp Fiction. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Wow. So. And next, next, next podcast will drop a natural born killers reference, kids. I'm sorry, um, that's one of my favorite guilty pleasure movies of all time. <laughs> I'm pretty freaking far from thank okay. You, well, thank you, Mister White. I appreciate that. <laughs> I will throw in some Reservoir Dogs while we're at it, but no, I, I just help me to understand why when you have clear issues. And now we're having a conversation. The one difference maker in your program, one of the most knowledgeable guys covering Iowa sports, is pretty adamant that he's not coming back. Okay, well, and you could say, you know, it's it's, it's Weiss Camp. That's the kid we're talking about for the kids coming in, the top recruit for Iowa this this year, right? Yeah. Okay. Now, I think he would alleviate some of that because of how offensively skilled he is. And then, you know, say he can alleviate 50% of that and – Maybe you have two or three other guys that return that can alleviate another fifty percent. But again, you don't you don't get better by losing him. You might be able to compensate for it, but you don't get better by losing him. So I, I just don't understand when you're making as much money as the as the McCaffrey frame family is, they don't need the cash. Why not take advantage of, you know, uh, of, of your own DNA, take advantage of your own progeny and say, dude, you're going to be the greatest walk-on in the history of Iowa basketball because I'm using your scholarship to fix another roster hole. I, that doesn't make any sense to me. This isn't 25 years ago where, you know, a, a coach made a million a year. There was like three of them. I mean, 
this guy's got buyouts that yeah his buyouts generational wealth yeah no doubt it's stupid money i don't to me it's a waste of a scholarship Hmm. i i must have missed the part where the team's just so talented they can uh, they can just afford to just you know take advantage of you know just give a scholarship away that doesn't make any sense to me they don't need to do that i I think there are a number of people who um share your opinion so well that was an uplifting conversation um i think i've had about enough of that so let's move on other things and we'll do so in this week's bigger 10 podcast we'll talk a little pig skin for steve i'm john we'll talk to you soon